0: You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me getting into the journey of their life, not just like what they're currently up to and how amazing it is, but of course we get to that too. But how did they get here? I like knowing... People's stories with the hopes that it inspires you to get out of your own way to see that you can make a change at any time. um, Yeah, I hope it helps you. Please subscribe and leave a review. That helps me and the podcast. And if you do, screenshot it and email it to podcast at yourdryologist.com or you can DM at Claim It Podcast. On today's episode, I had so much fun talking to Kathleen Ashmore, who you may know as Cat Can Cook. She is a TikTok star. I mean, I'm pretty sure she is. She's got like 750k followers, uh, 8.5 million likes there. Uh, so yeah. TikTok is where she blew up last year. She is a chef, a blogger, a producer, a mom, and I loved getting into her story. Like, how, how'd how you end up blowing up on TikTok and how that's working out for her and so much more. Again, I really enjoyed talking to her. I hope you enjoy the episode. Please comment on the... F- posts on social media, tag us, share the episode, let us know that you're listening. All right, let's get into the episode. So I like starting with how people grew up and especially high school years, because I feel like high school can be so challenging and exciting for so many, but it's like, oh, like real life is about to start. So it can feel like there's this pressure of like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Or maybe you know what you're supposed to do or all of those things. So I especially love hearing about high school years, but you can start earlier than that too, awesome. if you like. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's Perfect.
1: <laughs> you're like, so now you talk. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. So so I grew up in, in Connecticut, um, one younger brother, four years younger than me. And I was from what I understand, because I I don't remember a whole lot, obviously, from when I was like really young, but I always had this, um, this tendency to want to perform, um, to want to perform for others, whether it was, you know, dance. I was a competitive dancer for most of my childhood. Um, so like literally performing, you know, or making people laugh or, you know, I loved when people would tell me I was precocious or, you know, pretty or whatever it was. Um, my mom like to, likes to tell the story that like, whenever somebody came into our house, I would make them sit on the couch and I would just like dance for literally like the FedEx, like the FedEx driver. I mean, it did not matter. And I would just be like, I'm going to dance and when I'm done, you can clap, you know? And it's a cute story, but it's really, it's really quite telling, right? I mean... I sort of had that in me and I think that that desire to perform you know morphed into different things throughout my childhood and my young adulthood and I mean clearly it hasn't completely left me because I'm a content creator um so but I think it's finally now you know at the ripe age of 40 um I've come to an age where I feel like I own it rather than it owns me and you know, high school, especially, you know, I was, I was popular and, you know, dated the football player and all of those things. But I, I remember very profoundly having this like fear of being found out, like this sort of guttural feeling that it was kind of all smoke and mirrors. And at some point people were going to see that I wasn't who they thought they were, you know, and it, it I know a lot of us deal with imposter syndrome in different forms and at different stages of their lives, but I remember having it really young and i and and I think some of that is normal, right, as a teenager because you really don't know who you are
0: yet, but I think it's totally normal, and that's why I started at teenagers, but most people don't have you know maybe that awareness, even looking back as an adult, might still not have that awareness where I feel the same way that like I was I never really felt like I fit in like even though I was popular and I would like intermix and stuff like that but I can see where you're saying so like especially and I want to get into like the dance stuff too but Yeah, like so, you're like, oh, I you probably had a lot of things or were a lot of the things that people are like trying to be like, okay, yeah, you have the boyfriend that's a football player, this. So we are all trying to like, okay, what are we supposed to look like? What should we do? This okay, look like this, have this, and so like you might have had those things, but then you're still like, is this it? Am I it? Like you know, it's like that. Yeah, like we're usually like just questioning our worth, and even once you have, that's the reason of the podcast is named Claim It, is because. Basically, we, I felt like we're constantly like putting our like self-worth outside of ourselves, right? Like, oh, once I have this, once I have this job, once I have this person loves me, once I have the family, the house, then once I have this much money in the bank, then I'll feel enough. And it's just that usually once you even reach all those things and you have them, you don't feel That's it. That's right. Unless That's right. It's an internal seeing like, oh, I can claim this for myself right now. Not once I then do this, and that doesn't mean we stop working for things, and we don't have any drive, but just like that, we're not putting it. It means something once we do that. Or like, okay, all the eyes on me, I did that, and now I still don't feel like huh, mm. what's missing. Like, yeah, what's that, like that. You like fear of being like found yeah, out.
1: Absolutely. Um, and then where do you go from there, too? Right? Because it, you know, I was I was reading something the other day. It was you know, a study was done about um happiness and they were apparently they had found out that like the the most common denominator in all of these people that they had studied that had achieved satisfaction in their life was a continual feeling of progress in their life what, in whatever area and i really have been thinking about that a lot and i think to your point it's like okay so i have these things so like Now what? You know? And so now all I have is this fear of losing them because, you know, there's nowhere really else to go. And so, yeah, I love the idea of claiming it. I mean, clearly, because we're sitting here talking, but, you know, getting to a place where where you can receive those things and not have it take power over you to the degree that you feel you're defined by them and you live in anxiety of losing them, right? So...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, yeah, we're going to get back to your story, but yeah, like, you know, Again, because like I'm someone so, okay, obviously I have a podcast named this, so I'm very focused on it, but it doesn't mean it goes away. Like every day we are caught up in this, oh, we see this person doing that. or We want that. Like the comparison, jealousy, doubts, feel like all that stuff is natural. And so then this feeling of we're not enough, but then coming back to, oh, wait, like we get to remember and reclaim it sometimes every minute of the day. But like, again, like when we want to strive for more, whether that's, oh, I want to feel better in my body, but that, wait, is it wrong to lose weight or want to be healthy because I'm enough until then? Yeah. Am I not allowed oh to be? Oh my gosh. That, you know, like yes. that sort of bullshit. That kind of oh, yes. And then it, yes. so it's so like these like weird fucked up this like, okay, I love myself, so then I'm not allowed to improve because I'm already saying I love myself. But then like so anyway, so it's I feeling like again, it's coming from where is that motivation come from? Like, oh, because like, oh, that's how that's gonna feel for me, or motivated from self-love or how like that, and not like I'm not enough. So I need to do this. I'm not enough. So I need to like have this many followers or reach this goal or lose the 10 pounds or whatever. Or yeah, I, you know, I am fulfilled where I am. And I feel like, yeah, that like that's something I like more want to do or like, it's just, it's a, it's such a tricky thing, but like, is that, that motivation to progress, you know, like the happiness coming from a place of lack and I'm not enough. And once I do this, then that'll give me that more of that feeling or like, okay, yeah, I want, no, I do think I want that for myself, that that will actually make me feel even better in my body. I know. So, it's such a, everything, everything is it's, such it's, a. No, like, it's and
1: it's so funny you bring this up. <laughs> I know that we're going a little bit squirrely probably here, so you might that's have pretty, to raise me in a little but, bit, but, you know, I as someone like that. that is, you know, mainly a food creator and a healthy recipe creator, um, I I mean, you are, you are talking about something that I, you know, certainly am involved in. in in It's a conversation that I find myself having, or at least being held hostage by um, very regularly, whether I like it or not, you know, because it's, if I, if something appears in, in any way to be healthy, it's like, you know, people are like F diet culture and, you know, if I say, you know, I've lost 20 something pounds in the last year, like during the pandemic, finally lost the baby weight. It's like, you should be happy in your skin no matter what, or like eat the brownie life's too short. And I think to your point, it's like, what is the intention? Where is it coming from? Like if I was happy and roly poly and jolly, that would be one thing. But, you know, I was really unhappy at the start of the pandemic. And I mean, I'm sure we'll kind of get there, but so it's just amazing how many people, um, try to encourage me to be less
0: healthy and, you know, no, it's, it's so funny, especially these days. Cause yeah, like I am like, yeah, a fuck diet culture because it's fucked me totally. up. So, you know, like, yeah, but at the same time it is like, Well, yeah, like, but I want to, you know, yeah, I would like to lose more weight, but I'm not like, I have to lose it. And I can't, I don't love myself unless I do it. But it's like, yeah, I would love to, again, like lose my baby weight from my youngest is four. Um, You know, like not that there's that much. I mean, basically I've always uh, lived within these weights where it's like, I wear the same size and whatever, but like, yeah, I feel better in my clothes, And also like how I have more energy and these, so it is such a, a tricky thing with like, yeah, here's a healthy recipe. And then like. Want to enjoy your life? It's like you can A on both. Exactly. (laughs) And
1: like I do eat the brown, like I do eat regular brownies. I do, you know, I do. You do eat the brownies. Your your brownies, yeah. I do all of those things. But I think it's true. I think right now, you know, things can be painted with such a broad brush that sometimes it does a disservice to the actual. Worthwhile argument, right? Of, you know, the toxicity of some diet culture, or, you know, whether it's all of these different subjects that are very loud right now and oftentimes should be. So, it, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. And same with exercise, right? Like, what is my intention? Am I doing it because I'm punishing myself, or am I doing it because I love myself and I want to, and I feel strong and I feel like I deserve to take up more space and Walk taller, you know it's it's all I think in the way you're framing yeah. it for yourself, and we can't tell each other what the other person's truth is, right so
0: yeah, no, we're yeah. going to get to your story. I'll just by saying I'm writing a book right now that comes out in April that's called f the shoulds Do the uh, amazing get clear on who you are, what you want, and why you want it, because I gave up the word should uh, in 2008 when my father passed away, like I actually wouldn't allow myself to use the word. And so it made me so mindful of what I was thinking and saying. And, um, and and I I realized I needed a replacement for the word and the only thing I could replace it with that I, that felt fitting to me was want and that changed everything for me and a lot of times it is even sometimes it's like taking a should and getting it to a want like oh I should exercise because also I gave the word up over twelve years how many years are we here now yeah like okay. you know, many know. years ago now but like it still comes up it's a daily thing still like that I feel even though I don't whatever so like yeah the exercise like oh I should exercise and it's like why do I want to exercise and old reasons when I was growing up, I was told to exercise so that I could be thinner. And so that's like in me. But yeah, these days, it's like, Oh, why do I want to exercise? Because I feel better after exercise, I have more energy, I have more focus. And that but yeah, that's, we're all shooting on each other, don't you shouldn't do this, you should do that. And it's like coming back to it's a way to constantly get back to, wait, what do I think, Mm, believe? What do I want? Where's where's my
1: agency? That's incredible. So did you keep track of like, How many times you had to stop yourself in a day from using that word?
0: Well, I didn't like keep track, but it was, it was overwhelming. And I was someone who did not live a life of shoulds. Like I was a touring live sound engineer. I took control of my life when I was 15 and basically told my parents to F off because I didn't feel like they had any, like know what they were doing. Like I really lived my life my Mm -hmm. way. And so when this came up for me, it made no sense to me. I was like, I don't even know where this came from, but okay, I'm just going to like give up the word should. And everything I tried to say, it was constant and it was all these little things, but they affect us like, oh, what should I do today? What should I wear? What should wow. I eat? It's everything. Wow. Oh, what should we do for like, hey, when's a good time? You know, when should we record this podcast? So I never let myself use it. So all of the, oh, I should do the dishes. You're really we, I'm feel right lazy. Now. You're really inspiring me. I'm going to feel so lazy if I don't do the dishes right now because then I'm living with shame. But like, why do I feel that shame? Because I was taught this. But you know what? I'm tired right now or I want to go do this. So I'm going to choose to do this because I want it and I want to do dishes later. Like, like it was so many small things. So like, I didn't keep track, but it was nonstop. And that's what I'm saying. I gave the word up over 12 years ago and I still come butt up to head. Like, it's like, more times than I can count in one day with my focus on it. But it made me so mindful of everything. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, let's okay. get back to you. No. no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did you say about no. sometimes it no. can get chatty? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I'm always like, it's people mm-hmm. are learning out there. Okay, first of all, yeah. let's go back to competitive yeah. dancing. Like as a kid, did that reach its now? Like, when did you stop dancing or did you get into high school and then get into something else or? Yeah. Know, like,
1: yeah. So I, I stopped in high school. Um, I think it, it got to a point where it was kind of like, you know, either I'm going to try and make this my career or I'm not. And frankly, I, you know, when I entered high school, you know, some, some of my priorities shifted, you know, as ones often do. And, um, you know, you discover like keg parties and all of that kind of stuff. So um yeah, I'd I'd like to say I had the discipline to, you know, keep up with that. Actually I I was just about to say I shouldn't say that. Um, but <laughs> I'm gonna be so aware of that now. But uh yeah, it it was the kind of thing where I think it just was a natural Uh, You know, a natural deviation, you know, from it, because it it was quite all consuming in a sense. And I mean, it's just it for me, the fact that it was such a big part of my life and that I took so naturally to it, again, is pretty telling, Um, you know,
0: so but so you were basically like, okay, I'm not going to be a professional dancer. So like, yeah. And
1: some of the girls that I, that I was dancing with did go on and some of them, you know, have been on Broadway and all that kind of stuff. I I don't keep touch with them, but, um, you know, have gone on to do amazing things, but my, my path has
0: been quite,
1: you know, it, it has not been a linear path.
0: Um, yeah. So when you're in high school, then yeah. Were you like, getting, when you're getting close to graduating, did you, did you have then ideas of what you thought you wanted to be? Or were you being pressured to do anything? Were you definitely like, I'm going to go to college? Was that something in your family? Like
1: Yeah. So that, that was kind of a non-negotiable that I would be going to college. My parents were both teachers and it was the kind of thing that, you know, at least in my town, you know, everybody just sort of did. And I went to a school in Boston um, because I loved the campus and I had just seen Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be around boys that talk like that. You know, that those were my priorities. <laughs> I mean, I was hoping <laughs> to meet Matt Damon. And yeah, surprisingly, it wasn't the school for me. Um, you know, so after a few years or two years, actually, I finished there. It was, this is, it, this just blows my mind when I hear people, I have so much. I'm just baffled, I should say, by people that just have known what they wanted to do in high school. You know, have always known I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be this, and have just been dogged and focused. I think it's incredible that has not been my story.
0: Um, no, I think that's most people. Yeah,
1: yeah, that has not been my story. So yeah, after after two years at this school, which is a heavy finance school, it's basically like all finance and economics, and I can like barely add. So it did not make sense for me to be there, but it's an incredible business school. And I knew I I wanted to go into business in some facets. So I think that's how I reconciled it. But I left, I changed schools. I ended up finishing at another school down in Florida. And um, from there, I started just working in, not just, I started working in, in marketing. Not because I had a particular passion for it, but I was fairly good at it. I knew how to tell a story, and that is I think that's where the thread of being a storyteller, which has been one of the only constants 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 in in my career, was sort of born or that I realized I was good at that
0: so working was just sort of like a major that you sort of like, okay, maybe I'll try yeah. this. And then, yeah, like, got yeah, it was like
1: business administration and marketing. Right. I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I, de- I definitely wasn't um, set on what I was going to be or what that, that would turn into by any means. Um, but from there, I mean, it's just, it's really interesting because I firmly believe that everything has to happen for everything to happen. And by going into marketing and working for this luxury real estate firm, you know, I was the I was the marketing manager there. There was one weekend where there was this huge open house at this $40 million home and the the caterers there was some emergency in the family. And I had like brought in, you know, little treats and, you know, muffins and cookies and whatever things like that to the office every once in a while because I've always loved to cook. And so one of the agents said, like, do you think there's any way that you could, like, make some stuff for this? Like, we're in a total pinch here. I, don't, I had no idea what I was doing. But I said, yes. I think, you know, that's also one of the things that I really stand behind was, like, saying yes. You just have no idea where it's going to take you. And I said, yes. And it was a really big hit. And I started, you know, just, like, making more food for these, like, huge open houses. And, you know, from there, after the guy that I was seeing, um, down in Florida, it was a fairly serious relationship. We broke up and I started saying to myself, like, maybe I'll go to culinary school in New York.
0: And that's what I did. So you just like, they didn't, the caterer fell through one time you did it. Yeah. And then so after that, when they had these big open houses, they were just like, Hey, can you do it? Yeah. Would you get paid yeah. like a catering fee also on the side? You know, like, I actually didn't, but I should have.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, they would pay for the ingredients. You know, what, that's really interesting. No, I really, you know what? I'm, I'm not surprised. To, no, I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. That would have been a nice little side business. No, I mean, it was like, they paid for the ingredients. I was happy to help out. I think in a lot of ways it was because I enjoyed doing that so much more than I enjoyed my job. Right. That I was like, this is when I feel the most capable is so, in the kitchen.
0: So the <laughs> breakup sort of led you to like, all right, like I really enjoy cooking. I'm going to go to culinary yeah. school. Yeah. And you yeah. Were, and did anybody, um, did like family and friends were people, did they support you or are they like what now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think my dad was kind of like, what now for like a decade with me? So (laughs) it was just like another decision that he probably thought was flaky and didn't make sense. Um, But he was kind of like, all right, good. You know, but my yeah, my mom really did. You know, my, my family. Is from Connecticut, I grew up in Connecticut. They were still here in Connecticut, and so the idea that I would be back, you know, closer to them again was was definitely appealing. And they had always known that I loved to cook, um, and that I, I was, you know, really really interested in it. So I I didn't have the notion that I wanted to be a chef in a restaurant. I did not have the desire to work in a restaurant. I didn't have the desire really to you know, own my own restaurant or do anything like that. I knew I wanted to go into the business of food, like the media and the business side of food. But I felt like I really wanted to get, you know, proper training and be able to speak the language and, you know, just kind of do it right. And yeah, I'm very grateful that I had parents that supported that.
0: So back then, even when, even when you're just like thinking about going to, or making the choice to go to culinary school, you were like always thought like you would do something in media Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. Wow. That's, is that, do you think because of doing the marketing and business stuff that that's like where your mind went?
1: Probably. Yeah, probably. I also had, I just had followed Martha Stewart's career and I had, I mean, since I was a kid, my brother used to make fun of me when we would go on vacation because I would bring, her cookbooks and I would read them like novels like at night and he would be like we're in a hotel like w- you're not cooking anything like what are you doing and I I literally would just like read the cookbooks like novels and I just I I loved it and I still do to this day but yeah I think that that was that was really interesting to me. I had this urge, again, maybe it's the urge to perform, maybe, you know, that to tell a story in some way. Yeah. And, and it was like one of the only times that I had ever really felt creative. I didn't feel creative in my life. And in a lot of ways, I'm not creative, but I've come to realize that I actually really am you know, I'm not in the, maybe the traditional sense, I'm not crafty and that kind of stuff, but I definitely am. I had the same
0: thing with creativity and being like artistic. I was always like, no, because I was not, you know, never, this is a funny thing, funny, maybe not funny, but I've never even like actually like really tried to learn to play music or really tried to even like draw or paint. You know what I mean? Like I've never even tried really to do those things. I would just be like, no, I'm not artistic. I'm not totally. And really looking back, I was like, I never even gave myself the chance to try, probably because of the fear of not being good enough. So I would never even try.
1: I was just going (laughs) to ask
0: you, is that why you
1: think you didn't try? Because that's been one of my likely, yeah, this fear of I'm not going to be good enough. I either want to be like at the top of the heap or like just not do it at all. You know, so the idea of having to be so teachable was
0: scary. Yeah. Like, and yeah. like, Oh, you have to start out being bad to get good. And I didn't, Yeah, like, yeah. but yeah. But cooking totally. for me is where I finally was like, wait, I am creative. Like cooking was what woke me up to like, wait, I'm so creative and like problem solving creative, like seeing creativity a different way where I, the same way, like thought of creativity as artist and artist was you like drew beautiful watercolor or played amazing music. <laughs> right. Right. Same same. Yeah. So, so in culinary school and how long of a process does that, and then like, yeah, did, were you like, since you knew were a lot of people you were in school with, like wanting to be a head chef somewhere or something too, like, you know, like what was your experience there? Like sort of knowing that you might, that you didn't want to be a chef necessarily or a, chef yeah. at a restaurant, well, I guess. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think that's part of the reason that I still have, a I like still kind of bristle sometimes when people call me a chef, even though I, but I am. Yeah, and so that's are. one of the things that I'm trying to claim and that, you know, you're teaching me with, with this episode because yeah, there's, there's a story I tell myself that a chef is someone who cooks in a restaurant for 12 hours a day and slaves over, you know, these hot flames and, you know, gets, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dishes out, you know, and yeah, what but, we think a chef should be look yeah. like. <laughs> the sacrifice and the battle and the blood and the sweat. Like I'm not uncomfortable enough to call myself a chef. You know, and there's an element of that. I mean, some of my oh, this one this one chef instructor I had in particular really looked down on careers outside of the restaurant world, you know. It's kind of like the you know those who can't do teach. It's like you know those who can't do like do TV type of thing.
0: Which is and, funny, is he was a st- no <laughs>
1: teaching? No, yeah, right, <laughs> completely. Oh, you're, you're so right. That's him <laughs> you're judging so himself funny. and so projecting on everybody else. Like you're uh, so you know what you're so right, and isn't that usually the
0: case always. too? Right, it's not about it's you at all. Yeah. It's their own bullshit. It's not. No, like when it's we're being judged, it's not our stuff. shit. It's their shit.
1: Absolutely. And he was really, um, I remember it it, it was time for us to choose where we were going to do an externship. So this was, you know, like a placement at the end after the year of, you know, full-time training, you go, you apply to wherever and you get an externship. And the overwhelming message was you need to do an externship in a restaurant. Like you have to get the hands on training. And I was really close to listening to that. And I don't know what inside of me just said, it was probably just like me being like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But I don't think it was anything terribly virtuous. But yeah, for someone like me, who is, you know, a recovering people pleaser, that was a big that was a big deal that I went against the grain and I didn't do it without a little bit of embarrassment when I had to tell him where I had chosen, but he understood because of where it was.
0: So what did you do? So I went,
1: um, to the Martha Stewart show.
0: And how the hell did you
1: do that? (laughs) Yeah, I still have no idea. Um, I, yeah, it was wild. I mean, there was one position as, like an extern on the Martha Stewart show available. And I mean, there were thousands of people, you know, that were vying for this spot and yeah, I got it. Wow. So, so that's that was like, really incredible. Yeah. That was really incredible.
0: And did you even, you know, since you were like, okay, you have to get, an, what is an externship by the way?
1: It's basically an internship. I mean, I it's just, it's so, like, but why is it called? Uh, I, I don't
0: know. Why is
1: I really don't know. I, maybe because it's you do it well, to exit instead of Yeah. the program. Let's just go with that. Let's just go with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a brief it's a brief program. It's like probably 3 months is a typical externship. And so I planned on being I mean it all felt very surreal, right? Like meeting these producers and again, I had followed Martha for so long. So But was, how
0: many places did you like apply at?
1: Well, I only really it wasn't like a formal application process. It was, I went and talked with a few different people. I went to like Rachel Ray. I went to Bon Appetit. I went to places like that. So, all within
0: the food media. Got it. So, that what you knew that you wanted to do, and it's yeah. just sending whatever your yeah. information, whatever.
1: Yeah. Got it. And I stuck to it. I mean, there were certain places that really were like, you need to have, like Bon Appetit, for instance, you know, like you need to have the hands-on restaurant experience to do anything here, Um, you know, and I didn't have that. So, but Martha, like, I I mean, just being on set and being backstage with the producers, like in my interview, I felt like it went well. I think they could see my enthusiasm. I've always been someone who interviews well. Um, It's like the performance part that gives me some anxiety, but, you know, I get you know, I tend to do pretty well on the interview front. It's just like, but you know, life is performance based. It's not interview based. So that's when like the real work started and I had no idea what I was in for.
0: And what, so yeah, what was your role as an, cause yeah, usually like, you know, interns are doing like lowly, whatever jobs and whatever. then like, it's more like the assistant to the assistant to the assistant stuff. So were you just like on set being like, yeah, taking care of odds and ends or like,
1: Yeah, so I was basically the the production assistant for the team, and so what that meant it was a small team. It was four food producers, two executive food producers, and all of us had gone to culinary school. So you know, only culinary culinary school grads um, worked there. So mainly, my role was assisting in the production of the food segments. So. Everything from greeting the guests downstairs, bringing them up to their dressing rooms, um, you know, just making sure that they had everything that was needed. Sometimes handling the cue cards for the live segments, making sure that the giveaways were intact, all of that. And before my externship ended, they came to me with a job offer, which was great because there was a position to ask. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so then, how long did you end up working? on the show and did you yeah. like, move up in different positions or?
1: Yeah. So I, I ended up becoming an associate producer on the food team there. So, um, it was, I mean, it just was, I mean, truly a dream come true. It was just one of the most magnificent, you know, experiences that I ever could have dreamed of. I mean, I'm not someone who's from the city. I, so I just felt like what the hell have, I, What? but I guess that's kind of what happens sometimes. And excuse me. One thing that I've learned is sometimes things happen really fast and see, and seemingly easily when you place yourself in a position to receive that miracle. It's like the universe has just been like waiting. And then they're like, finally, you know, and then like, it opened. And so it happened pretty quickly and pretty easily. But the journey there was not a quick and easy one, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I even think with, you know, being in that culinary school and there, yeah, like trying to tell you to go work at, you know, a restaurant and that then like you being like, no, and listening to yourself and only submitting like that, that's a huge, like, really like trusting yourself and listening to yourself that like, it is kind of like, who knows with the universe and the like, you know, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but like, I can see we're like, yeah, you trusted yourself. And so it's like, here you go. Like this person clearly wants this. They did not listen to the, you know, teacher who was like, no, blah, blah, blah. You should do this. Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption to talk to you about my absolute favorite skincare line, Blissoma. When I was introduced to them, I was not looking for any new skincare. I had been using green beauty products and products that I loved for a decade. I've tried so many different things, loved what I was using. When I tried Blissoma, I was shocked. I saw a difference in how my skin looked and felt immediately. Not like it took my skin a couple of days or a week to get used to it. I'm talking a Immediately. I was blown away with this brand. Its cutting edge chemistry meets traditional herbal knowledge for the best of both worlds. They use original recipes that use a huge range of phytonutrients that benefit every skin need, including very sensitive and painful skin problems. These products create balance within the skin and the body. They're formulated to allow you to proactively and naturally manage a variety of skin issues, including acne, eczema, sensitivity, stress, and aging through the nutrients they contain. They are totally authentic green beauty. So many things out there. It's so easy to greenwash things and just say, this is natural and this is good for you. And don't have these and things and all that stuff. Well, Blissoma really does have the things you want in the product and doesn't have the things you don't want. It can be overwhelming to look up at that stuff, but this brand, like seriously, look them up, even how they are like operate environmentally friendly. They're just top notch about everything. Go check them out. My favorite current products are Aura, the Phyto Brightening Serum, free, the Rejuvenating Herbal Gel Cleanser and Makeup Remover, and Restore, the Omega Miracle Facial Oil. And by the way, if you go to their website, Blissoma.com, there'll be a little pop-up thing that goes there, and they are offering a free mini Herbal Gel Cleanser. I think you might have to sign up for a text list or a newsletter, but do it. Enter the info, get the free gel, check out their products. Feel free to DM me any questions. I am not an expert. You can also DM them. They have a quiz on their website, but I am not shitting you. These products are amazing. Even recently, I ran out of them and I went back to using the other brand that I absolutely love that I had in my cabinet. Went to use Blissoma again And just like one washing and one application, I'm like, whoa, it's such a difference. Go check them out, blissoma.com. Check out their Instagram, check out their website. You can just tell that their creator, Julie, is so passionate and knows what she's doing. All right, go check out blissoma.com and we'll get back to the episode. So what does an associate food producer on a show like that do? Like, what was the actual job?
1: So essentially, any time that you saw Martha cooking on the television show, those were our segments. So we managed all the segments. So we selected what chefs were going to be on the show or celebrities or whatever it was. Um, we decided what recipes would be made out of their newest cookbooks or, you know, selected recipes otherwise. Um you know we managed some of the on-air talent that came like like we selected people out of the audience for instance we were on camera some so i did some like thanksgiving hotlines and product reviews for christmas and that kind of stuff we did a lot of recipe concepts back in the test kitchens with the test kitchen team it was just sort of all
0: and all is that end like the what you wanted i mean or was it fulfilling at the time
1: very much so. Yeah, it was. But it, it all just felt very surreal still at that point. You know, it was I mean, it all felt very surreal. Um, but the show ended, you know, Martha's, Martha's show. ended. That's why the job ended is because the show. Right. Ended. Right. And I also found out that, you know, television is a career that's super exciting. It's not not that I was looking for easy, but it's, you know, there's a level of up and down with it and sort of time off. And then you gear back up again and will the show be renewed for another season? And it's all very like emotionally charged. And as someone that runs a bit anxious to begin with, I didn't know if that was really something long-term that I wanted. Um, I kind of want a little bit more stability than that. So, but, the show ended. And so from there, I was kind of like, okay, I can either take a look at some other shows. Obviously, I'm in New New York City, or I can apply for a job at corporate. So I applied for a job with Martha still at her corporate business. So I got that position and I moved over there. And I was doing, you know, I was doing recipe development, product management, working on her retail lines her gifting programs. So yeah, more of that, which was great.
0: Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, laughing the thinking of you in the hotel rooms with the cookbook. What did your brother think? <laughs> I know. What did oh your my brother God. think? Yeah.
1: When- <laughs> he thought I know. He thought it was like crazy. And but then, you know, here I am.
0: But like, yeah, getting that so uh how what led you to, I'm assuming you're still not working with the Martha Stewart competition. So did, was that something of, were you ready for a change or did the business shift again or what happened next?
1: Yeah. Great question. So at a certain point I was a couple of years in there and I started feeling like I was ready for a wider runway. Like I was ready to take more ownership Over my work and to have more of a say, I had learned so much working for Martha, as you can imagine, and around some of the most creative, ambitious people I had ever met in my life. Um, But as you can imagine, you know, things are pretty tightly run and there's a certain look, a certain feel, a certain style that there's not a whole lot of room to affect. Right, and so and
0: I was really itching. under Martha Stewart's That's name. Right. Not like you have free reign to do, no. yeah, yeah. And I Be, really like, wanted yeah. to
1: have more agency. I really wanted to have more. I felt like I was at a point where I really wanted to spread my wings and kind of show what I could do and and show show myself what I could do because I felt like I w- I was limited in that as well. So at that point, I started. I was approached by someone over on the West Coast um, in San Francisco for a job. And it was, you know, it was something that was very appealing to me. Around the same time, our executive vice president from Martha had moved up to Toronto and headed up um, a large retail company called Indigo up in Canada. And they were building out their first like food program, essentially. So he had contacted me and said, like, is there any way you would think about this? I wasn't ready for it at the time, but when I was contacted by someone over on the West Coast, I let him know this is happening. He said, please just fly here and meet our CEO before you say yes to anything. I had all but accepted verbally an offer in san francisco and was that another media sort of job in san uh no francisco? no it was um it was a retail company yeah so it was like a large luxury kitchenware company you can probably tell who i'm talking about maybe i don't know if i'm allowed to say those things on
0: there. yeah i don't know okay if yeah it I'm was like... with uh william sonoma yeah so oh, okay yeah so I flew but up. So with there. that sort of job, like would you still be doing like recipe development and sort so of stuff?
1: I would be, I, I would be a food buyer. So I would be doing recipe development with other ma- manufacturing partners, like the williams Sonoma branded products, for instance. And I went there and I loved it, but I had this feeling like this is another Martha Stewart. You know, like this this is another Martha Stewart living on me. There's a very specific look and feel and brand. And when I went up to Indigo, I was like, yes, like I have to do this. I have to take this. You know, I sat down with the CEO and she was showing me all of her plans and her thoughts. And we were like talking about salts and like, she was just so curious. And I just was like, I could really do some great work here. You know, it felt like a blank slate in a lot of ways, and I felt like she trusted me already. So
0: I said yes, and, and it were, was a blank slate for it them. Was, right? They in, were op- yeah, like in this. large
1: part, um, they were going through a big transformation. But it was it was something I was really excited about, and I didn't again like saying yes. I mean, there's so much of this stuff is like stuff I've never done before. You know, I've never. I had never been a food buyer before. I'd never been a producer before, but like everybody's not been something at one point in their life. There's always got to be a first, right? So just saying yes. And so I went up to Toronto. I didn't know anyone aside from Todd, my boss at the time from Martha. Um, and I took the leap and I started working there and I was, up there, it was an incredible time, an amazing company. I'm still in touch with them. I'm back in Connecticut now, but I met my now husband up in Toronto. You know, again, everything has to happen for everything to happen. It's like, it's just wild. So, yeah, I was there until 2015. And then uh, Michael, my husband, and I decided to move back to Connecticut just for personal reasons. My dad had gotten really sick and it was quite sudden and I had always kind of seen myself coming back to Connecticut and he's in finance. So it just worked. We came back to Connecticut. So I've been here now. At
0: that point, are you, what did you leave the job and just sort of like not knowing what you would do next? Like, okay, I'm going to close this chapter and we're going to move.
1: Yeah. Well, yes and no. So, you know, the team up there, at Indigo was incredibly supportive, especially around sort of the circumstances around my move. And we had a great relationship and they wanted to try and make it work. So I actually still worked for them for probably almost nine months, like flying up to Toronto once a week, every month. Yeah. And, you know, Skyping in like daily for meetings and we tried but it was at a certain point it just was very clear that this was not really feasible so that ended and yeah i didn't really know what i was going to do and i wasn't concerned about it until i was and and i'll tell you something because when i left that job it was the it was the beginning of 2016 i ended up taking a job that was very close to where we live in Fairfield County, Connecticut, and was completely wrong for me, but I just was, it was my anxiety. I was still, I mean, still even at 30 something years old, I didn't want to sit in the uncomfortability of not having a job and what that meant and what that felt like. So it's like, I don't want it. So I'm just going to like slap some a bandaid on it, even if it's not the right
0: band-aid like right it was more like again like these ingrained like oh I should have a job so even though I don't know what's next and I don't technically maybe need a job right right now because you probably had savings your husband whatever so whatever like but no that's what we do we know if we we have jobs like there's not a reason for me there's not like an actual reason for me to say I don't have a job besides I don't want to do like yeah it's like you know we're not allowed to have that it's like it feels like so so okay so you just took a job yeah to have a job yeah it sounds like yeah
1: and I mean it was it was fine I mean it was marketing consulting with food companies like with this firm and it was you know it was definitely yeah it, it wasn't something like completely outside of my ballpark but um you know
0: I, it was not but did you know right like job, as right? you were like interviewing for it like did I you have a might, feeling like this I is not God, for I me did. but you're I also like well God, no it's good enough it's it yeah. checks these boxes
1: it's I didn't want to hear that voice, you know, just because, especially like after just having lost my dad and I was just in a headspace, I think that I was making some fear-based decisions and I I was in a lot of fear. I was still grieving too, which, you know, it's hard to make, you know, I mean, it's hard to make choices when you're grieving. It's hard to trust. It's hard to know what to trust. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm the rare that, yeah, I Gave up my entire life for like a year just to, to grieve. Wow, Steve, <laughs> was, gave up the word "should." I mean, that's the whole book starts with that's what happened. That's I, my God, it's amazing, um, and that's not normal. Yeah, guess we should <laughs> just keep working with life and keep going. But um, anyway, so so what? How long did you end up staying at that job? And like, did you leave because then you had something else lined no, up? Or, like, what no, made you no, no. Leave no.
1: no. So I was there. You know, I guess. The silver lining around all of this is that it was around the time, you know, where my husband and I were newly married. You we were talking about having kids. So it kind of worked because my focus could be more on that. I got pregnant like two months after joining this firm, which I'm sure they loved. And you know, it, from there, it was kind of like, all right, after I have this baby, I don't know if I'll end up coming back. I did a, I did for a few months. And then I got pregnant again, like a couple of years after my son was born. And then it was like, okay, I, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stay home with the kids. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a beat. I'm going to focus on raising my children. And, you know, it's an interesting place that I found myself in. And I think a lot of women especially deal with this. I know here in Connecticut and Fairfield County, they definitely do. Where you move out to the suburbs and you have children and suddenly you're faced with, okay, so I can either commute into New York every day, which is where my career would be, right? That's why I took something local. I mean, I say now like, if the best thing about your job is like the distance of it from your house, you know, you're probably at the wrong job. Like, if that's the best thing about it. But I, you know, the idea of commuting into New York when my husband already commuted into New York, it just was something I couldn't reconcile and it wouldn't have made sense for our family. So I felt like I didn't really have options. It's not like there's a thriving, you know, food media. Cur- you know, market here in Connecticut. So it was kind of like go into New York where all of the companies are or stay home and create my own thing, which I didn't do right away. You know, I waited two years until just last summer, just last summer is when I launched my website and got on crazy TikTok.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what? um, So during that time, did you just then sort of okay? Like I'm going to focus on motherhood because you yeah, young kids. Yeah. It sounds like at yeah. that time, yeah, right, yeah.
1: So my daughter will, is turning three pretty soon, and my son now is five, just turned five. Um, Yeah, so young kids, and I also I wasn't taking great care of myself. You know, I was drinking too much. I was eating too much. I. I wasn't very happy. Also it's
0: like it sounds like you've had there. I mean full life working all these amazing corporate jobs though which even when you're working jobs that you love it's just like rarely do we actually like rest. <laughs> Totally, I was tired. Life, and then you have kids, and you're exhausted from the kids, but also of the life that you've fulfilling life that you have led, plus in your grief from your father passing and all of that. So yeah. So what then? Last year made you start, and did you join TikTok first or start a website first?
1: Yeah. So last summer, I it you know it's funny because I think of you just never know the impact of something that you're going to say to someone that can seem so. Small, but it was you know one person on Instagram like messaged me about like a photo of food that I had posted in like my stories or something, and I like sent her the recipe, and she was like, "You should post this on your feed because I feel like a lot of people would probably want it," you
0: know. And you know, I had and created, was your account then just like what did you it post? Was just it personal. wasn't just your was food. Personal. It was oh, so like okay, yeah. Like, sometimes, I'd here, like, know, sometimes I'd be like, you know,
1: sometimes I'd I'd be like. There's an apple pie, you know, but like it wasn't, you know, because food has always been a big part of my life, but I wasn't treating it like a business at all. You know, I had created content for other people for so long. So it really was last summer and I hit a bit of a bottom in my own emotional life. My anxiety was at an all time high. You know, COVID, we were a few months into COVID and, you know, trying to do the, was you know school the virtual learning thing with like a three-year-old it just was like a joke and I just was I was really miserable I was really unhappy and um I was kind of just like I couldn't escape myself and around that time friend of mine who participated in this TikTok program she um She's like an actress and a model out in LA. She's got a podcast as well. She's got like a YouTube show. And she was like, I just did this program with TikTok. Have you ever thought about TikTok? You would be great for it. And, you know, my first like instinct was what a lot of people's probably is when they hear TikTok, they're like, it's not like young kids dancing or whatever. I mean, it's starting, it took me a
0: long time to I even to downloaded change, it, but, but I didn't understand it and didn't yeah. follow anybody for like, yeah, months, I, know. You know, I like, it's
1: like, what is this TikTok you speak of? You know, my favorite. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. It's like, it's so amazing. Um, But yeah, I was definitely like, oh my God, I definitely didn't feel like I had anything to give. But I saw an opportunity to be held accountable because this program was like, you have to post 40 videos in 40 days or whatever it was, or in two months. And it was all in an effort really for TikTok to they were evolving as well. They were evolving. They were maturing their platform. They wanted to change the way that other people were seeing them. And they wanted to really highlight the educational aspects of their creators. So it was really a perfect time for me. So
0: it was a program like directly with TikTok. TikTok, They had chosen some people to like, okay, like join us on this you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you said 40 videos in 40 days or something
1: yeah. like that. Yeah. So I yeah. So I just felt like it was an incredible opportunity. And I thought to myself, okay, I just started my website, which was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like on Squarespace. I had no clue. Um, but I had just started my, my website and I thought to myself, you know, this could be because this market is so saturated, right? I mean, there's so many food bloggers and Pinterest and this and that, maybe I do something a little different, you know, maybe I don't try to compete in this huge sea because TikTok is, I mean, it's very, it's becoming more and more saturated. Obviously it's not this like new up and coming thing anymore. And I even was late by a lot of, by a lot of people's standards, but I was like, maybe I just focus on this. And I thought about the fat Jewish a lot. I was like, the fat Jewish just did Instagram. Like he didn't go on Pinterest. He didn't go on Facebook. He didn't, you know, rather than trying to be everywhere and listen to what everybody tells me I should be doing, like taking these SEO courses and, you know, using Tailwind to pin all these things. And rather than doing all this stuff that like I really don't enjoy doing, I don't feel like I'm very good at. Maybe i just focus here right now. like, And just do enough with my website to like have it be up. And if nothing else, it'll be somewhere where I own my content and it's like a journal of my recipes over the last year, you know? So that was what happened.
0: So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean... I think it's who, like, I don't even, I forget to even post there, but it's just a fun platform to like get an in information and like, oh, God, yeah, it's like, oh yeah. I can discover a recipe. And then, oh my God. And then I'm hearing some funny story from some person in Wisconsin. And then like, yeah. what, and then there's a cool dance. Like, it's just an interesting thing. And it feels like, if like, yeah, I don't know. It, it I feel like there's less pressure there. Like even when I go to like share a video or something like that, like, I don't feel as like on Instagram, I feel more like, oh, I don't know if this is, if I said this right or not, but I still like hit published because that's how I am. But like, I don't know. It just feels more useful and fun. Absolutely. So how-
1: um, absolutely. And I think that that's why I like it. And I think that that is where, I mean, it definitely seems like that's the direction that things are going in. I mean, if some, I have taken videos, I've taken recipe videos with my like beautiful, very expensive camera and people are not into it. Like they want to see honestly, like they want, like they want to feel like they're right there in your kitchen with you. And I think that's something in the pandemic too, that we started to see is that the shift in the importance of relatable content, right? Like I'm a mess, you're a mess, it's all good kind of stuff. And really just like, feeling like you have someone that you can trust, that you can have a conversation with, that started to be more important than these highly curated aspirational photos, videos, feeds, whatever it is. So yeah, the, the entry point felt more friendly.
0: So yeah, so now like, yeah, when, when it started like, and how quickly did it like start blowing up for you on TikTok and like, how did you know, like, Yeah. I'm sure that is like, oh, this is exciting. And also like, yeah, did it bring up other like fears and worries and doubts too? Or like, what do I do next or something? Or how have you been able to like handle the TikTok success?
1: Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, it didn't happen overnight. Like I, I was really, I think I was at probably 40,000 followers in March or April so it took me, it took me nine or 10 months to get to like 40,000 followers, you know, and then it's taken from how ever many months, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, it's taken seven months now to get to, you know, 740,000. So it didn't happen overnight. And I think that that's part of why I'm better able to handle it is because i when it did start to happen,
0: I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I yeah. should be blowing up. Like, well, And you have been like, do it. Yeah. Cause you've been consistently I sharing should, there and stuff I, every
1: single day. I have been consistent.
0: Like consistency wow. for me
1: is everything when it comes to working out when it, like I work out for 20 minutes max, you know, I don't do anything crazy. I don't do cross
0: 20 minutes is the best yeah, amount, but I do it
1: like, I'm a big, yeah, but I do it like, <laughs> Six to seven times a week, you know? And yeah, no, with
0: tw- it's so stuff. easy to be like, let me just do 20 minutes 20 where minutes. we feel like, again, I should do 45, I should do 60, even I should do 30 will keep me from doing it. Like, I can do 20. <laughs>
1: I, exactly, because I am not a disciplined person by nature. So I need consistency. You know, like, I don't need discipline if I'm consistent, because it's just like, this is what I do. That's why right. I keep I keep myself so organized, because it doesn't come that naturally to me. So, you know, when, when people are like, Oh, how do you have the discipline? I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I have the consistency. Like, those are two completely different things. And I am very aware of that. So there's nothing that I do that anybody else can't do, but I've, I have treated this like a business since the beginning. And I think one of the things that I realized this spring, when things started changing for me, I had a couple of videos, I had videos go viral before, but I had a couple of videos go viral and you know, I grew like 30,000 in like two days. So I was at like 75,000 followers. And then I posted a video that was like, a little intro video. It was 30 seconds long. It was a bunch of like footage of my food that I had put together in this compilation. And it was like, a, hi, I'm Kat. This is what I do. And I briefly mentioned, you know, last summer, I was at a bot, like a personal and professional bottom. And from that bottom, I slowly started sharing my recipes and I am creatively alive again, and thanking them for creating that space for me. And that video went viral. And, you know, I think I gained 200,000 followers in 36 hours, just from that video. So it was like, well, shit, you know, like, I, people want people want to know the stuff they want to know me I can hide behind yeah. my food really easily you know so right that was and a big so lesson. has it
0: brought you different opportunities now to be sized because yeah. that is like a lot of time it to is like yeah to do that and stuff and yeah like where has it opened up now possibilities and ideas for yourself in the future that maybe you had thought of before or hadn't and I mean like oh yeah now I would love for this to happen Definitely at some point or it's, next year or. Yeah. It's funny because
1: my husband, I remember him saying to me in the beginning, of you know, this journey, I guess last year, sometime he was like, you know, if you, you know, if you get to a stage where you're making six figures and I was like, Oh, like the pressure that I heard, I didn't hear like, I believe in you. You're going to be amazing. I just heard like, you have an expectation that I'm going to be making the kind of salary I was making before. And that's not going to happen. Like this is not, everybody was telling me it's three years before you make any money as a blogger. Like it is first year, you feed the business. The second year, the business feeds itself. The third year, the business feeds you. But TikTok and really short-form video content, which is what I've become pretty, you know, pretty good at, I think, um, that really seems to be the future. And I've always been a storyteller in my career. It's just now in this new platform. But that has expedited Everything. I mean, it's changed my entire life. You know, I have I've been on live television a number of times and I've published ecook. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll make more money this year than I've ever made. So it's really awesome. And I say that, you know, I'm I'm uncomfortable saying that to a degree, but I also think it's important to say that because there is so much opportunity by like, you know. It, from saying yes, from
0: saying and yes, like also from staying at home, at being at home, and like just deciding to try something yeah. to share yourself and whatever your thing is, it's like yeah, you know, you don't know, like oh, well, you make these needlepoint things or whatever. You yeah. just like what's that one girl who's like blowing up like Elise or whatever who just like she's just so funny, at the taco date person.
1: Oh my gosh, what's her name? I know exactly <laughs> who you Elise,
0: my. I, I I'm, gonna have, to, Myers, and I don't know I'm gonna have it. No. to
1: put it into TikTok when we get off this. You know, but uh, like, yeah. I, yeah, like,
0: you just you never know like, what she's just like say- telling stories, you know, like about her life. It's just like, yeah, it's just like that's why I really love it because it's just like, who is this? Yeah, like the people that you're like following from who knows where, but just like, then that also is now giving you these opportunities that you had maybe never thought of for yourself or like, yeah, okay, I should do all these things to X, Y, Z to drive to my blog. And these are the ways that you should f- make money and this, whatever and all of that. That So really cool. And by the way, my Trader Joe's has been out of artichokes for months, and I'm pretty sure that's your fault. No. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty, I think you are probably right. I think you're probably right. I got right. them
0: there twice. And then every time I've gone back in the last month, they are – no that no artichokes really and i was like everybody else is making the dish <laughs> sorry about that it's
1: like the fetish shortage in finland it's like yeah it's crazy i know that that was a that was a fun recipe yeah i mean it's been it's it's been amazing it's been amazing and i feel now that i don't know it's just uh, like you never know what's on the other side of something just I don't know that I would have said yes, if I was a little less miserable, you know, like Sorry. I feel like if I was, I feel like if I was like more, okay, I probably would have been like, I don't need that. like, you know, right. like I'm good,
0: Interesting.
1: but because I
0: kind of didn't
1: feel like I had a lot to lose. It's just
0: right. Like, why not try this thing? Okay. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Love that. Let's, yeah. why not people? Why not? Why not? Why Just, not? Just why not? Okay. I'm going to yeah. ask you the first thing I sent you the um phrases that go on keychains in my product line. And yes. I'd like to know not necessarily what phrase you like the most, but which one you like would want as a reminder in your life right now and yes. why. So you'd be like, oh, right. Mm, amazing. Yes.
1: Um. So I'm going to say, trust the timing of my life. I mean, I could pick a number of these, but. Trust the timing of my life is really like hits home for me. When I read that, it, it definitely tugs on me. I am definitely of the view. I like, I'm so grateful I didn't get what I thought I wanted. And, you know, even like with my business, I wanted to pour all this money to it into it in the beginning. I'm like, I wish I could just hire somebody and they could do this beautiful website. I wanted it to be perfect from day one. And since then I've changed my branding. I, you know, I've done all of this stuff that if I had spent all this money in the beginning it would have been for nothing. So it's like, trust the timing of your life, you know, because what I am living and what I'm seeing is such a small percentage of the big
0: picture, you know? Yes. I, Obviously, I love that phrase. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah, but, um, what, but it's something I live by, yeah, all the time. It's such a good reminder to reground ourselves and open ourselves up. Um, what is something you do to raise your joy levels when you may be feeling not so great?
1: Yeah, so every my morning routine is super important to me. So I'm a very early riser, like very early. And I just wake up that early I don't set an alarm so it's not that I'm like keeping myself diligent but I'm usually up by like 4 30 and I I know my eyes just got really (laughs) like when I say early riser people are usually like oh and then like they're like so like when and I'm like they're like okay that's different but truly I mean Some of it is out of necessity because I know I like you will see me on the news. If I do not get my morning routine before my kids wake up, it will not be a good thing. Like I need to have that time to just to ground myself, to get in touch with myself. And so that, you know, I have to just do it earlier, but, um, I burn my Palo Santo. I have my hot water and lemon. I do my meditation Um, And then I write an intention for myself for the day. And I read like a a few pages of one of the spiritual books right now. I'm reading the Daily Stoic. It's like a, you may know the Daily Stoic. Yeah. So that's just like a quick, easy, um, you know, daily meditation, but also a cold shower. Ending a shower with one to two minutes of ice cold water. I've been doing it since January 1st. Somewhat consistency. Like I built up to two minutes, but I'm telling you, it makes you feel like a million bucks.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. I've heard people talk about that. You don't even look do the, like I have ooh. people that even own the cold plunge. Oh yeah. I know. and they That's do those things level. like daily. And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not there
1: yet. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I don't even want to want to be there yet.
0: <laughs> like, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, one day I will try that. Yeah. It is not today, but good for you. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I ask everybody to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. So it might be like a habit, a way of being, a way of naturally reacting.
1: Yes. Oh, I I love that. I really love that. Um, What is easiest for me is saying yes and taking care of others and sacrificing myself. So that is something that is comes very naturally to me is to be a nurturer and a caretaker. And I do get a lot of joy from that. Um, But I have found it to also cause me a lot of, you know, harm and uncomfortability in my life. And, you know, all kinds of icky stuff like resentment and stuff in my own relationships. So in the spirit of, uh, you know, creating boundaries for myself and saying no, and even practicing saying no. Like I have a, I have a mentor that has said to me, you know, has said to me multiple times, like no is a complete sentence. You don't have to say, no, my kids have blah, blah, blah. Or like, no, I've been really, like, no, thank you. She literally like challenged me to say, that is really hard to do. I'm like, I can say that if someone's like, do you want to come to dinner on Thursday? And I just go, no, thank you. I'm like, I can't say that. She's like, yes, you can. I'm like, okay, I can say that. And then I have to like move because no one's ever going <laughs> to want to like be my friend again. It's really wild. What comes up though? When, you know, similar to your should challenge. It's, yeah, it's wild.
0: Shoulds related to all of that. Cause it's like, no, because I should listen. They should, I should reply this way. I should like, yeah, Yeah. Um, Okay. What, the last question is, what are you, the name of the podcast is Claim It. We talked about that early on. What are you claiming for yourself right now?
1: What I'm claiming for myself right now. I am claiming for myself that I am capable of anything. Like that I'm actually capable of anything. The, The other day, someone asked me something and I said, I heard myself say it and I was like, whoa, I really feel that way. I was like, I am in my prime right now. Like I feel like I'm in my prime and I feel, I feel capable of anything.
0: So Yes yeah. Claim that And again like A lot of times this is hesitation of like Wait am I allowed to say yeah. that Because like no we shouldn't What
1: are other people Going to think of like can bragging or- We can
0: believe that Whatever But it's like really It's empowering To other people But we feel like Oh I should keep myself Smaller To make other people Comfortable Yeah
1: <laughs> Such BS F the uh, show That's right <laughs> Amen Amen <laughs>
0: Yay, love, Kat. Um, if you're not already, you can go find her at Cat Can Cook on TikTok. She's also on Instagram. Uh, she also just recently released a new ebook cookbook, Real Food, Real Life, Cold Weather Cooking. There's a couple more ebooks on her website too. Her recipes are really good and some of them are super easy. Um, also I was excited to find artichokes again at my local Trader Joe's. Uh, all right. So you can go to Kathleenashmore.com to find more from her, to get the eBooks and, you know, make sure to check the show notes for more links and stuff. It's yourjoyologist.com backslash podcast. You'll find all the episodes there. And, um, of course for me, I'm at underscore Trisha Huffman. I'm your and at Claim it Podcast. again, please subscribe. Please leave a review that really does help the podcast become more discoverable. You know, it pops up more in people's recommended and stuff like that. So I really do appreciate it because I love having these conversations with people so much. All right, for the last thought of the day. What are you claiming for yourself right now?